Hey everybody, um, it's podcast time again. This is Kelly Dixon. Um, we're coming at you for with a Breaking Bad Insider podcast. Um, I'm here with uh, Vince Gilligan. Hello. And writer-director of this episode, Sam Catlin. Hello. And co-executive producer, Melissa Bernstein. Hello. Thank you guys for coming out. It's Today is actually Sunday, the day that we premiere. We are at uh, producer Melissa Bernstein's regular office in Century City um, doing this podcast at noon. Um, and then uh, Vince... Breaking Bad is in my house. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And Vince, you're actually on your way after these to go see... Uh, to go do Breaking... Uh, talking Bad, right? Yeah, doing uh, the first Talking Bad is tonight. So uh, that'll be... <laughs> with uh, Julie Bowen, right? With Julie Bowen, which is going to yeah. be awesome. I met her sister one time, but I have yet to meet her. I went to school with both of them. I slept with both of them, but please don't confirm that <laughs> right. to them personally. All right. They'll, they'll, they'll deny they'll, it. They'll, they'll, they'll never, never deny it. So that's good. <laughs> Did you really go to school? I did Damn. for one year morning wow. school take your hands off the table Sam oh. <laughs> that, is that my towel yes take your hands off the table so you really went so you went to school with them wow. I did wow for one year for one year wow yeah oh, that's cool and what school what is that it was a Tony private school on Newport, Rhode Island. Ooh. I was asked not to return. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> yes. They're regretting that now. Yeah. yeah that's that's way exactly. I know. See, they're going to give you, you're going to hear from these folks at a certain point. Hey, you know, could you come speak to our students? Yeah. And, yeah. When they come ask me for money, that's when I know I will we'll have really made it. <laughs> yeah. Well, she very. I'm looking forward to meeting her. She's supposed to be a super fan of Breaking Bad. Oh, she and, is. Uh, yeah, I see her. You know, from time to time at the Emmys or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, yeah she. Loves oh, she's the won show. twice. She's been nominated time to four time times. Time to time at the Emmys. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. A, that dreary <laughs> parade. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should start right in. Um, this episode is called Rabid Dog, and Sam, this is your first time directing Breaking Bad. Yes, the first time directing anything really other than like plays well i didn't want to give it away man. yeah no he, when you see it you'll know <laughs> incorrect I, I thought you did a great job you did a man. great job i thought you did a great job was awesome. it, I forgot was to take it, the lens cap off <laughs> was it easier directing your own episode would, it, would you have would you have rather have done it this way i can't imagine that there would be an easier way for a first-time director to have his first time because you, you saw it in your head pretty much the whole well, time. Well, I wrote the episode. It's on a show that I've been on for five years. I knew the crew. The, um, and, you know, I pretty much know the tone of the show. And, and at this point, the actors and, the, and all the departments really know what they're doing. Yeah. So. So you uh, just had to, like, <clears throat> sit there. And as Vince says, it's easy. You just sit there and they just do what you say and make you a sandwich. Right? They dance, really monkey, do. dance. They do. They would. <laughs> People would come up and say, would you like some tea? And then, yeah, that, I got used to that. Oh, yeah. It didn't work when I got home to my wife, Julie. <laughs> Julie Bowen? No. No, You're no Julie. I had to get a different Julie. You're Julie who, who played uh, 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 Skyler's uh, divorce attorney. In season three, yeah. That's yes. right. Wildly That's talented right. actress. Yes. That's right. She, yes. Another actress named mm-hmm. Julie, not yes. Julie Bowen, who is uh, a marvelous actress and she did is. such a great job. She did. She did such a great job, in fact, that we talked uh, at the beginning of this season. We about, were going to bring her back. Yeah. yeah. We, we just couldn't figure out how to do it. Yeah. At least so far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we brought her back right here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so talk to me a little bit about the process, because in all these podcasts, I've really, like, really been 
um, trying to get since this is our this is these are our last episodes. I'm really trying to do a lot about the writers' room and how you guys decided to go about doing these last eight. You know, I think people seem to think that you had it all planned out and you knew everything, but I know better because otherwise you guys wouldn't have spent was it nine months in the room together, you know, for, you know, 10 hours a day together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's like no way in hell. These last eight were hard. So mm-hmm. they're always hard. Yeah. But you didn't know. You yeah. Didn't, but the, just that the, my very answer just now implies that, uh, you know, it was, we did not always know where we were going. We didn't really know where we were going. We had rough ideas, but, uh, you remember at the beginning, at the end of the first eight of season five, season five, a, as we call it, as the lawyers make us call it, uh, <laughs> The we, bean counters. The bean counters. Down on Washington Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, but at the end, when we, when, we, when we got to the point, in other words, where Hank is sitting on the toilet reading Leaves of Grass and sees Gail Bedecker's inscription, we kind of we wrapped the writer's room briefly at that point, and mm-hmm. I think we all felt like, okay, it's all going to be smooth sailing from here. Yeah. It's, it's going to write itself from yeah. here on. And then we came, we, we, uh, we came back, and then it was just like, Oh my God! Where do we go from here? There's literally a million—I don't know—more than a million. There's we could the infinite number of permutations. It felt like. Yeah. 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 It's sort of the writer fantasy of just like the, we joke about that all the time, where something's going to write itself. Psych on that one, huh? Yeah, but it really was. There was for for years. It yeah. seemed like we were like, well, we know how it ends. Yeah. That's the easy part. Once we get to that, then did we'll you guys sort of really just... know that you really <clears throat> well, knew we, how we it thought ended? we had a sense of the of how it was going to end. We like didn't know the, all the, the broadest details. without anything. The broadest, broadest stroke. You knew like, OK, we know what's going to happen. But you we know. thought we thought we did. But you know what? Sometimes I'll just go to say I mean, sometimes you got to tell yourself you got to convince yourself of certain things that help you get through the day. I mean, <laughs> really, seriously, I mean, I like we convinced ourselves. I remember walking away from that uh, Hank on the toilet, you know, reading Leaves of Grass, thinking I really did. I was deluding myself. This really, it's going to, it's kind of going to write itself from here on out. It's going to be, <laughs> maybe we can get them all written before the first day of shooting in the first mm-hmm. episode. Then I can spend the entire yeah. season in Albuquerque on the set. Oh, won't that be great? Yeah. Oh my God. So psyched I, over that. I was going to, I was going to direct the final two. That was, yeah. uh, that was the original yeah, plan. I remember that. And I, and it was like and right we around, time. Yeah. it was like in, in July. Um, and you, we were cutting, we were working, we were posting 508, gliding overall. And I remember you sitting next to Michelle McLaren in my room as I was like trying to make a cut and you leaning over saying, when do I have to be done in the writer's room to actually get to Albuquerque to prep? And I knew at that point that it she was She said like issue. three days ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I knew at that point, I'm like, uh-oh, I don't think right. he's going to, uh, you know, right. I had hopes, but... Uh, Oh, and we held on to those, you know, yeah. well into the season. Passed but, all good sense. Yes. Well, <laughs> but it worked out. I mean, you did the last episode. Which you did was the last episode. Fantastic. We, we got it. Ryan Johnson for 514. It worked which was out great. great. It worked out great because we got Ryan. Yeah. But we'll talk about that one in a couple of Yeah, weeks. we'll talk about that one. Um, but, you know, the reason I wanted to bring this up, too, as well, to because I love having two writers, especially in the room, is that, okay, so you didn't know what you didn't know at that point what it was going to be. So this episode, I know that it takes a, a, a much more drastic uh, um, like 
uh, structure, drastic structure change in this one. Because, you know, the, in the last episode, we, we end up with Jesse pouring the gasoline and yeah. we cut to black, yeah. right? And so this time, we don't even see Jesse. We don't even see what happened yeah. until like act two. Yeah. And so talk to me about a little bit about breaking that one and like why you guys decided to go so drastically against what you usually do. Cause I've expected to pick it right back up. It, even if you didn't pick it back up in the teaser, I expected it in act one. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what the hell happened to Jesse? And this, what happened? And this episode plays with time in a really fun way in general, which is, mm -hmm. it, this is, that's sort of a unique facet of this episode. Cause it's not something we do regularly. Yeah. Right. Especially on the this teasers, season, yeah. especially this season too. Mm -hmm. yeah. So like, okay. So you guys finished breaking, um, five eleven. Yeah. You know, and then um, Michael Slovis shot five eleven. So Directed none of you guys that. had to leave. Oh, but you had to leave to go prep it. Mm -hmm. You know, to go prep this one right as he was shooting. Uh, and five eleven. Jen, and Jenny would be on. Jenny Hutchison was on set for yes, 5 exactly. So when you guys finished um, uh, breaking in the writers' room five eleven, how did you guys just jump into five twelve? Did you actually say, you know what? Let's not have Jesse show up until Act Two. How did that go? Come back. We got into the same way as always, but I mean, once we got into it, you yeah. know, with uh, well, <clears throat> uh, we, did you think let's just fuck with everybody and it'll be fun to not see what I, happened I, until I Act honestly Two? Honestly, can't remember why we were thinking of playing with time. I, what I remember is that this is, I would say, one of the top three hardest episodes to break ever. Yeah. Really? Breaking Bad history. Yeah, it, visiting yeah. the writer's room during this period was yeah. rough. Yeah. Yeah. You'd go away for two so weeks, like... you'd come back, they're like, they're, they've only put three more cards up in yeah. two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I think it took over five We've weeks. we four down. Five yeah. weeks, wow, seriously. It, it, it yeah. might have been more than that. <clears throat> was it? Wow. It was rough. It was about five. It was five weeks. Do you weeks. usually yeah. like break like an act a week or something like that? Or how does it usually... We, we, we still, oh, no. it crept, there was Usually. something called card creep and that yeah. we had more and more cards every season and there was, and there was breaking creep. <laughs> uh, we started in season one before Sam even was, was there. I think we, we broke, uh, an episode when we were, uh, when it was working that when, when, before I left, uh, I think we were breaking them on average about one a week or one every week wow. and a half. And then it was about one every two weeks. And that held for a few seasons. Held for a couple okay. seasons, and it was one every three weeks. And, and this last season, we, we broke an episode once a month if we were lucky. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but, but we had scheduled it such that we planned on an episode being broken every three weeks. Yeah. And, and that's how we build our schedule so that we yeah. can make sure our directors and writers are where they need to be right. when the episodes are yeah. starting to be shot. Right. And I want to stress, this is not a bunch of writers like I did in college, you know, farting around to the last minute and just like, Hey, you know, let's go to the, let's go, let's go play laser tag or mm -hmm. we were working the whole time. Yeah. It just was not, it was not, this yeah. one was, was hard. It was a hard one to gel. Sometimes so, we, we, we struggle with how quickly we want to accelerate plots. And this one was, I think we went back and forth in terms of how quickly we wanted to get, to sort of the next major plot turn. And, you know, you'll see in the next episode what, what that might be. But we, it, it felt like that was a, a big part of like, how much, how much do we want to dispense with the action here? You know, and mm -hmm. how much do we want to sort of, how much can we, what we say a lot is, how much can we make a meal out of this other thing? Or, yeah. or do we want to just keep going at a run? Yeah. And this was an episode that I think ultimately we decided to sort of pace down a little bit in terms of how we wanted to uh, 
move things. Yeah. And um, I don't know how we... I, I think <laughs> at a certain point we were going to have... I'm trying to think of how much I can say here. It's a blur. But I think that at a certain point, and you can cut this out if it's... <laughs> we were going to actually burn that house down. Oh, no, that, that we should talk about that. No, that's because, cool. Yeah, yeah because I was just going to say that very same thing. Everything yeah. was on the table. Yeah. We uh, knew at the end of Jenny's episode last week uh, that the kid, uh, that, that Jesse pours gasoline all over the White House living room. Yeah. The first question we had... Uh, I gotta imagine that's all a blur to me too. But I gotta imagine the first question we had was, "Did the does the kid succeed or not?" Yeah. But then we also had uh, we have to keep in mind the fact that we saw the future in uh, the teaser of of five oh nine. We saw that the house has got a fence around it. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no water in the pool, and it's uh, kind of a crack house. But it does not look in any way, shape, or form burned inside. Right. So I think the first answer was relatively easy. I don't think the kid but, succeeds. But. If I recall, that teaser, that 509 teaser came late. That was a big TBD for a while, wasn't it? I I don't think that... I think that was sort of a placeholder. We loved that image, but we weren't sure that we could... Maybe I'm wrong. No, you might might be right, because we weren't shooting... They talk, you guys talked... Well, you weren't here, Sam, but you and Peter, Vince, talked about... In 509, you talked about the fact that, that you thought that you were hoping that maybe there was, like, no house there. And you were talking about possibly being, like... You said... Uh, 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 yeah, uh, that's an true. Empty, like like a tooth missing in the in yeah. The, the in original the version, the original version was just just a big yeah, big empty missing, a big empty lot, big yeah. vacant lot. But uh, that didn't work for a couple of reasons. First, that would have been very hard, even for our crack uh, visual effects staff. That would have been very hard to fake. Mm-hmm. But also, we realized we you know for reasons uh, you, we can't tell you yet because we're not going to ruin anything for you. We needed that ricin. Right. That uh, he procures from the uh, back of the uh, outlet. To so the plate. maybe that was the reason that you didn't burn the house down. Yeah, a couple of good reasons right there. So so let's uh, let's take as as, as granted that uh, we weren't going to burn the house down. So yeah. then it's like, well, how in the world? Why does what interrupted Jesse? What intervened? And then uh, right. And then we and we started there. I think. Yeah, there and there was actually when we were doing five oh nine, we talked a lot about the the that spot. On the, on the floorboards. Yeah, that actually... This sort of mysterious mm-hmm. um, yeah, there shape. Was like, in 509, originally, there was some footage that was shot of the floor, the, the subfloor, basically, in the White House with a big spot on it. And I think that we decided not to use it because it really didn't... You couldn't really see it. Didn't really read. You know, in, in yeah. the footage. It was mm-hmm. just... It was not... It was like... I think it was just too dark or something. You couldn't really see it, it very It's a well. credit to you guys that that was about this episode. Yeah, that's exactly. True. Yeah. There was, that's it was true. episodes like later. Yeah. And, yeah, that's true. you know, not knowing exactly what the shape would be. But I think the idea... This is where theory uh, bumps up against reality. The theory, the idea for showing it in the 509 teaser, this stain on the floor, this discoloration was for the audience to say, ooh, is that a blood spot? What mm-hmm. happened yeah. there? But gasoline and blood are very different liquids, and, and to not cheat, you know, gasoline is not going to leave that kind of discoloration. So they, so the fake, the spot that the art department gave us looked very realistic for a gasoline puddle, but it, it didn't... Uh, didn't really read. Didn't really read. Yeah. I mean, on uh, on the when we watched it in editing, it didn't really mm-hmm. read for us. Yeah. But like, um, I'm curious. One other question about the writers, the, you guys' process, because when you said that you ended with Hank on the toilet in a five, oh not oh eight, um, I'm curious. Is like how much you guys kind of you went on vacation? I think for a month, 
you started working the next weekend or something at your house. How much of this stuff do you? Yeah, you did. Okay. <laughs> you and Peter and Tom Schnau started working. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, for for the yeah. Five oh nine. Um, how much of this do you carry with you? How much of it are you like constantly thinking about? Are you ever like? To, is it a, is it something that you can turn off and sort of like? No, you know, no, not okay. so much. I'm only starting to now. <laughs> and we're recording this like months after the show is, uh, right. well, weeks and weeks after the, the last edit. I mean, the last mix, rather. So, uh, no, it's uh, hard, hard to get. You know, I'm always impressed with Brian Cranston as an actor, uh, being able to turn Walter White on and off. He's told me he's taken him home a couple times, but but not for very long. He takes a shower or whatever, gets a good night's sleep. and <laughs> But I... Walter White was sort of always in my head for all these six years, which probably warped me more than I <laughs> normally am. You know, because you you start you start to I mean, all in all seriousness, you start to see the world through his eyes, which is not a particularly healthy thing to do or a healthy place to be, you know, mentally. But uh, well, I was just curious because I know that I've talked on this podcast before, but I will um, tell this story again. I remember working with you on the pilot and I remember us, we were working in North Hollywood or Burbank, I guess. No, Toluca Lake. Toluca Lake. And yeah. we would Next go to, to the Bob's Big Boy. Yes. And we would go to lunch at the Bob's Big Boy. And yeah. I remember walking back from the Bob's Big Boy asking you, and I had, you know, very recently met you. Um, but I remember asking you cause I was so impressed with you and I was a big X-Files fan. So I was like, you know, kind of like, you know, uh, this is kind of a star moment for Vince Gilligan, right? I was like, oh man, this is so cool. So I'm going to ask him all these questions. And I asked him a lot of questions, but uh, I did, you know, That's I so did. so unlike you. <laughs> yeah. You're Actually, blowing my mind. Every, every lunch would be like an interview. It was. It's true. The rest I'm of us sorry. would just sit there. But it, was, was like, it was like the coolest thing. But I remember asking you, so where is this going to go? Because I thought oh, yeah. that you knew everything. I really oh, yeah. did. I thought there's no way in hell that he could be this amazing of a writer and not know after that pilot where it was going to go. And you told me that uh, you didn't know. And I so did not believe you. But in, then after the first season, I was like, nah, I believe him. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But I'm curious because I guess that's why I'm asking this question now. How much of it do you carry with you? Because at that point, once I realized that you really didn't know, I yeah. thought, wow, that guy's incredible that he he's not going to like find, try and find this stuff out until he has a deal or something, you know? It's hard to, you know what? The shame of it is it's hard to make yourself work with before. When you, yeah. when you, have you done it professionally for 10 or 20 years? It's, it's hard. It's not about being lazy. It's not about not wanting to do the work before you get paid. It's, it's rather, I mean, there's a little of that. There's certainly, there's laziness in there somewhere, but <laughs> when, when you have an idea for a pilot, you, you know, you come up with it, but it's hard to do the work before you know yeah. that they're going to buy it, not because you're working for free, but rather because it's you, you, by necessity, you have to become emotionally invested. But if you become very emotionally invested before yeah. they say yes, very likely they're going to say no. And then you, and then suddenly you're all emotionally whipped up and no place to go. So and you've you lost know. all that time, damn it. <laughs> yeah, it's not about the time. You got to wait anyway for the, but it's, uh, it's, it's hard to, so, so, but I don't think that was the, you know, it, it's so funny. So much of it fades in, into, into my, uh, my, my, uh, diminishing memory here. <laughs> but, uh, I, I knew, I knew what the show was in, in the broad strokes. As I always say, it was taking the good guy, turn him into the bad guy. Right. When you have that as your major roadmap, the the specifics of the plot i had ideas in that first season before these guys even came aboard mm -hmm. uh before like sam was hired and whatnot and 
even before uh, Peter and George were hired. But uh, a lot of them went by the wayside because when all these good brains are in the room together with me, they come up with better stuff. So, uh, so you, you discard the stuff you thought you were going to do. And that's fine. That's the way it should be. Right. You should. You got to be able to roll with it and let the storytelling be organic. And I guess I wanted to ask that too with Sam because Sam, you know, you knew that you were. I mean, I think you from season two, you were writing episode four every year. Like you, I. It was always episode four that you were doing. I think pretty much because I did. This is the only one I didn't do of yours because we switched up. Mm. Well, we basically switched up the the rotation a little bit. I feel like I did a. Th- Three one year, but really? maybe not. Maybe um, not. Yeah, but so you right. knew that you were gonna, you knew that you were doing this. So is it something that you can turn off as well? I mean, did you like now? Nah, I'm gonna wait till we get in the room and see how it shakes out, or did you? Were you kind of looking at the way that it went? And well, if there was a particularly thorny thing that we were bumping on in the room, which would happen, I mean, like really bad, then it would be beneficial sometimes to think about it, literally, like tell my wife like this is a thing with da 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 what do you think but most of the time i for me it was beneficial to not think about it at all really yeah because okay. sometimes just resetting the brain yeah um you know is a is a big but like help. when you knew that you were going to direct that. it were you like like i mean would you take that part of it home were you like you know oh, doing God. like storyboards I mean, that's and not, doing all that's kinds not of creative stuff? that's just anxiety <laughs> 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 there's yeah. a lot of truth to what sam just said though i i you asked me a minute ago, do I carry? Did I carry that stuff around? Yeah, but not on purpose. It, it, it's a good thing to go home. That's why I would go home and watch so much TV until late in the night instead of just going home and going to bed, which I knew I needed sleep. I needed physical rest, but yeah. you need to turn your brain off too. You can't right. be thinking about whatever your job is. I mean, if it's making TV shows or whether it's making light bulbs or whatever, if you're thinking about one thing to the exclusion of all else, you're living a very... True lopsided life and it's just not mentally healthy that's true so. well i like i said i'm sorry that that this is so late and starting in the episode but i was very curious about how the process went especially with you two guys in the room so that being said um you guys took a very very drastic you know change on this one and you said you you just did it like normal you just said hey why didn't the house burn down so can you just start there i think philosophically in general it's it's good to not give people this is going to sound like i'm making a joke and i'm not it's it's very often dramatically good to not give the audience what they want to make them wait for it i mean what's more fun the christmas day or the night before christmas i always thought the night before christmas was more fun because then it's like all possibilities are on the table <laughs> Ooh, what am I going to get? What's going to be under the tree? And then you see it the next day and, and you know, it's, hey, it's great, but now it's over. It's over. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I mean, but if you're, you know, leaving in using this episode as an example, okay, the house didn't burn down. There's an empty gas can. Walt sneaks in with a gun. It's very, and you and did Saul a beautiful Goodman's job car. directing it. And, and Saul, Saul Saul's car is running like in the driveway. they're running in the driveway. And where the hell is the kid? Yeah. But that whole teaser, which Sam directed, you did a great job. And you great, got a real Sam. eye for composition, which I, I had a feeling you would be great with the actors because you are an actor yourself or you came, came into this job from acting and from playwriting and from having directed plays. But the composite, you know, I knew you'd do great with all that, but the compositions you came up with are really just oh, wonderfully yeah. done. Very, and even some we, great, great shots in this episode. Yeah, exactly. And even we want to know, because we're like, you know, watching Walt and he's like, you know, watching the house and we're like, yeah, where is Jesse? And then he's going in the house and you're like, yeah, he might be hiding. What's What the hell is he going to do? Yeah, where he, is he? Why, and then where he's the hell not he go? there. And you're like, well. 
And I love that pullback. I love when there's only one place. He's basically swept the house mm-hmm. in the teaser, Walt has. And then there's really only one place left in the house that he could be. And then I love the way you pull back from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, my God, we're going to hear a gunshot any second. And mm-hmm. the music, by the way, the yeah. Dave Porter's cue in this yeah. in this teaser is, is as, absolutely piece. fantastic. Dave Porter brilliant for six years but i, I gotta say and you and there's some cues coming up you guys haven't listened to this haven't heard yet it's uh i think this is dave's porter dave porter's best year yet on breaking mm. bad yeah, yeah. he really had the opportunity to go for it yeah, yeah he yeah. brought it he brought it and surprised us i think in oh, a yeah. lot of places too yeah i love this cue this cue so sam great. when you thought about that pullback you know did you always know that that was what it was going to be or was that something that you planned or on the day or I did sort of have that. That was one of the things I did sort of have in my mind, which was sort of a. I, I was thinking a lot of The Shining. You know, <laughs> yeah. the, I love that great up angle as he grabs the doorknob. Yeah, that reminded yeah. me of The Shining. Well, that was actually that was Slovis. I had an idea of of uh, Michael Slovis, the mm-hmm. cinematographer. I had an idea of putting the camera really close to the doorknob and having his hand come in. But I but the idea for the shot was right next to the. But, you know, you realize Michael Slovis is like, there's no, I, I don't know where I could put the camera there. <laughs> and I was like, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> yes <laughs> is the answer. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You're like Don Logan and Sexy Beast. Just sp- spitting crumbs on him. A big sandwich in your hand. <laughs> he responds well to that, does Michael Slovis. Um, he likes to be bullied. Um, no, but he's like, I don't know where to put the camera. And I was like, oh, okay. And then he... Uh, he was like, well, what about this? What if yeah. we put under there? And I was like, that's exactly it's what very, I was thinking. Yeah, it's very dramatic. It's actually, it's very dramatic and cool. Just do what I say. Yes, that. <laughs> no. I mean, so much of it, so much of it directing, for me, was just like, well, this is sort of the idea that I'm looking for and the shining and da-da-da-da. And so he gets it, and, you know, yeah. so they made it very easy for cool. me. Cool. Great stuff. But I didn't realize that that was what they call uh, the pullback shot is unmotivated camera action which you know michael's like well we don't usually we don't necessarily do that and uh but we talked about it some more and, and we thought that maybe in you this know, instance it might actually yeah, work. rules are often made to be broken and yeah. yes in film film school speak wise yes that, that is absolutely uh a tec- technically a quote-unquote unmotivated camera move right and yet on a, on a different level, it's perfectly motivated because the motivation is, okay, is the guy's going in there. I'm going to get further away from mm-hmm. something because there's a very loud noise that's going to happen any second. Right. Something, yeah. it's, it's about the motivation, in, in other words, is making the audience literally hang on the edge of their butts on the edge of their seat, waiting, right. waiting to see what's going to happen next. So yeah. that's one of those rules I think is meant to be broken in that moment. This is one of those things, too, that, you know, yeah, we don't, we, our show is very, very, I feel like it's very real. We don't do a lot of, like, moves and that kind of thing. But this was a different kind of teaser where it was very dramatic, and it's one guy. And we as an audience are expecting to see that guy. As, you know, It's one of those things, I, and I, I don't know if I've said it on this podcast, but I definitely have said it in my editing room plenty of times to my former assistant, Mel, to my assistant now, Chris. And I think I've actually said it to you, Vince, when you were in there. It's like, I don't need to, like 
Um, I don't actually want most of the time to sit back and watch Walt and Jesse do stuff. I want to be with them as they do it. Oh, yeah. And for me, that's what this kind of thing was like. I did not cut this episode, but when I was watching it, it's a very different kind of thing. And you're experiencing, because as an audience, we don't know where Jesse is either. Yeah. And we're experience, we get to experience this with Walt, yeah. which was the the most fun in the world. Yeah. You know, you got to be so, in Walt's head for all yeah, this. Yeah, so if even if it's a little off from what we normally do, the placement of it was perfectly understandable and, and way oh, yeah. cool. Way oh, yeah. cool. So we jumped to act one and now everybody's like, there's a cleaning crew there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a cleaning crew there and you did some really cool stuff with your, with the vacuum hose. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, what kind of prep was needed with the hose and the getting your shots? Like, yeah. Well, we put a, uh, <laughs> A Cobra 350X camera. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the name of the uh, lens is, but they had a uh, uh, maybe it's a snorkel lens. Maybe you know I don't. I'm not sure. Do you and know, how far it? does it travel? I mean, it's like getting like a colonoscopy. Kind of yeah, thing. a snorkel <laughs> is actually it's like the it's it's how you get the camera on the ground. Oh. It's not a lens itself. There's oh. a revolution. Oh yes, I think it was a yeah, revolution. Is, lens. That's a lens. So how did, how far does it travel, or what is it? How does it work? Well, they rig what they. What we did was, is they rigged a uh, like a suction engine or whatever outside the actual soundstage. Okay. And they found this blue tubing, and how big was it though? It wasn't that big. It was like maybe uh, four, four inches, inches in, in diameter. diameter. Okay. Wow. And they put the revolution lens like <laughs> up, yeah. up the intestine. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then, but the but the. Uh, the tubing didn't move, but the camera, we pulled the camera out. Mm-hmm. And then we put liquid in there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's, oh, it really? How'd oh, you okay. keep the, and you'd put something around the lens so it wouldn't, uh, the liquid wouldn't hurt the lens? I guess so, but the liquid is going away from the lens. It's not coming towards the lens. Yeah, but still it'd be on the... I don't, I can't remember. Hmm. I was, like I said, this is when I was probably asleep in my trailer at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but this was a shot you designed. I did design yeah, the shot. A, That's true. And, and you know really what? I have idea. to give a shout out. Another shout out to Sam here uh, is uh, he described this. You described this to me. Was it either in the script or you described it during the uh, during the pre-production I think phase? Maybe it was during the prep, pre-production yeah. during the prep. And uh, I remember thinking, oh, this sounds like I don't know. That sounds kind of self-conscious. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. But I was like, you know, I, honestly, I'll, I'll be real honest, brutally honest here in the podcast. I thought we can always cut it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Final edit. Sure. And then I see it. I'm like, this is really. This is not a typical breaking. Well, it. It sort of. It, is, but you know what? Because I, 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 I remember thinking, what is? What's the point of that? It's a special. But it's but I, special. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. It's and great. it's you know I love it. It's a great shot. I love. We have shot. shots like to me. It was sort of like a first cousin to. Uh, there was one shot that we had maybe last season or the season before of just literally bubbles going down a drain. And we it was did. sort of the image of just like, it's yeah. all, to it's me, a- it's just like, it's all going to shit. <laughs> you know, and I get that now. Yeah. For some reason, I wasn't, I was sort of myopic. I didn't get it yeah. during prep, but it's a, it, it really, it's a great shot. And I love the way Skip and you figured out to, to cut out of it. Yeah. To the, to the role of, uh, I love the, the shot you designed and, and Skip edited this beautifully. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And you get into the scene. Those are real uh, Albuquerque companies, I think. Mm-hmm. On the vans. Yeah. Yeah, the real locksmith and the real uh, vacuum company. Yeah. Yes. And they're of course, all... actors playing the roles. Actors yeah. playing yes. the roles. Yes. But uh, if 
you live in Albuquerque, you can hire those uh, those companies <laughs> to come rekey your tumblers. And yeah. yes. The actors did a great job, too. I, I know from experience how hard that is being what we call a day player, somebody who comes in oh. to a show that is up and running and everyone knows each other yeah. and joking and relaxing and having a good time. And you've yeah. got four lines yeah. and a mark to hit. Yeah. And you're nervous as hell, and uh, and all and three playing of them against Ray, uh, against Brian Cranston, playing against Brian Cranston, <laughs> yeah. all that, and uh, they were great. They were yeah. great. They did. They all were very realistic. Yeah. Which people that listen at home who you know haven't seen, you know, don't don't necessarily do this for a living. You say, well, it's just a guy saying, I rekeyed your lock. Mm-hmm. How how hard could it be? Oddly enough, can those be very are the hard. hard. Some those of those times, ones. those are the hard things to make it seem like a real guy versus an actor. Yeah, yeah. you always you kind of want to you have a just human nature being what it is. You, you kind of want to swing for the fences. You kind of oh, make them interesting. Yeah, yeah. I got to make them interesting. I've got a whole Memorable. backstory for my locksmith. <laughs> yeah. But you know, just planting your feet and doing it the way Spencer Tracy used to say. Yeah. Just plant your feet and say the lines, but but mean them. Yeah, and uh, he those guys really pulled it off nicely. Also, a shout out to Brian Cranston because as you just said. And you've had this experience as an actor, going on a on a on a on an unfamiliar set. Yeah, it's like walking in. A, I got to imagine. I've never done it myself, but it's got to be like walking into someone else's living room, and everyone knows each other, and you're the stranger. You're the mm-hmm. odd man or woman out, and it can be an unfriendly place. Mm-hmm. But uh, Brian Cranston, uh, all our actors uh, would have, would have been this way regardless. But Brian always set a very welcoming and yeah, hospitable true. tone and you know, hey how you doing i'm brian you know and he you know may put everybody at ease yeah and that's cool. uh that's Absolutely. hats off to brian for doing that because it i mean have you had any good stories when you were an actor like uh doing a day playing bit or well yeah i, <laughs> I said cut during one of my own takes <laughs> seriously Not yeah good. because i did because i was nervous okay Aww. and it wasn't going right i didn't like what the other actor was giving me <laughs> Felt like he was hitting it too hard. Did you really do that? Yeah, I did. What was the, what was the show? Can you say? And what was the director's it was response? Was the director? The Guardian. The director was Peter Medak, oh, I believe. Who directed who? episode two hundred six for yes. us? Yes. And the Guardian, which by the way is Mark Johnson's show. Yes. Wait a minute. Of course, was Simon him. Baker. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had a and I had a scene with a very nice guy, Raphael Sparge, who is yeah, of the he's star- a good actor, really nice guy. Yeah, yeah. And it was this thing where it's like you're coming in, you're a guy. I got to meet him in this crowded law firm and it's literally like I got to hand over a file and then we're walking and the dialogue has to be over by the time we get to an office door. Sure, sure, sure. Which just, and it was the last shot of the day. And so I was the guy that was screwing up and they had to keep taking it over and over. And for some reason I said to cut, I don't know. It's just a little, it's one of those things that like, it may be the last thing I think of right before my death. <laughs> Your cringe moment. It's just like, not my children or my wife. You know what? I've, I've never, I acted, I've, uh, I acted, I got to be an extra in the movie Bugsy because of Mark Johnson. Mm. And this was like 1992 or thereabouts. And uh, I got to be uh, play a scene where I was uh, one of the painters helping put the finishing touches on the Flamingo Hotel. And they were shooting out in uh, outside of Palm Springs, and they built this amazing reproduction of the Flamingo. And Mark says to me, hey, you're out here visiting. You want to be an extra? We'll put you in a painter's overalls. and we'll." So I'm like... So they're they're dressing me up. This is before I met you, even Melissa. And uh, and uh, uh. 
So they dress me up, and then uh, I'm like really nervous. And, no, just fine. I'll just walk through frame. Just walk through from, from point A to point B. And then they said, ooh, are those glasses you're going to wear? And I said, well, they're my glasses. Oh, <laughs> those are not period uh, correct. Can you do it without the glasses? And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. And I take the glasses off, and all I see is everything looks like a fucking Matisse painting. And I, I can't see anything. And for some inexplicable reason, they give me two full cans, two full buckets, not cans, open buckets, two full two and a half gallon buckets of white paint. It's very liquid white paint. As opposed to empty cans. Or opposed to some kind of what looks like there's just a white plug in the top that looks like it's real paint, but I couldn't actually spill it. If I had had spilled this paint, Uh, they literally would have had to shut down for the day while they put new carpet in because they could not. Because I would have literally fucked up the entire set yeah. irredeemably yeah. for the day. So, and I can't see where the where the damn and I'm and they say action. Barry Levins is directing, and I'm in a scene with uh, Harvey Keitel and uh, and uh, uh, Annette Benning, and I can't see where the shit. And I'm walking, and no one told me where the action was. They just say on action, just walk from here to there. So I'm carrying these heavy buckets, like 30 pounds of paint, and uh, well, it probably wasn't that much. But anyway. And, and Harvey Cattell crosses in front of me and says, hey, how you doing? And I go, hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I can't say he's talking to Annette Benning. He's just doing the lines of a scene. Like, God, it's one of those moments I too will probably be thinking of, along with all the other oh myriad <laughs> embarrassments I had. Humiliations. Yeah, God humiliations. Is upon us. <laughs> yes. I love it so much. <laughs> Hey, hey, how you? Hey, hey, how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> that's great. Oh uh, my god, that's hilarious. Nobody yelled at me, which, in a weird way, almost made it worse. Yeah. <laughs> Although I would, it would have crushed me if they yelled at me. But then I could have said, uh, and then they were assholes, and it would have right. taken the stink off of me a little. But it was just no, like nobody you, yelled you, at me. They did take your eyes better. away. Though. It was that like, was it was, yeah, like the little kid with the special helmet. And, you know, the <laughs> oh, tiny Tim character. Okay, that we're, we're going to do it again. <laughs> Put up some railing and a ramp, some padding. <laughs> and Sam, this time I say cut. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. There's a camera over there, you see, and it's recording everything you do. And don't talk yeah. to the actors, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Don't look directly <laughs> into the camera. <laughs> Don't okay. pause and stare they're into probably, the sun. They're probably just <laughs> glaring at Mark Johnson like. Yeah. <laughs> Barry Levinson, I never, uh, you, you know what, uh, he, was, he was cool about it. But I was, he was probably looking. I couldn't see where the shit, I was blind as a bat. He was probably looking over at Mark like, seriously? Seriously? Anyway. Back oh, to Breaking back Bad. Back to Breaking yeah. Bad. Um, okay, so um, you guys, so in the writer's room, you guys basically said, okay, so the, the idea here is to make, to have Walt, it, the the house can't look like anything happened, and you have uh, uh, Walt telling the locksmith, no no no, same keys, and everybody was like, okay. But then he the the uh, the vacuum guys, you know, say that it can't be done, that we can't, you know, have the carpet be, you know, we're still gonna have the smell. So then you guys get the idea for Walt to like say, oh, I had this accident at the gas station mm-hmm. and and stuff like that. So. How did that? I mean, was it tough? You said it was a tough break. Was that was that part hard to break for you guys to come up with a? The, the hard part to break was actually, you know, as I recall, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. and, and I apologize to everyone listening that that my 
memory is like 10 months ago that we were talking about it's like i've got creutzfeldt jakob disease or something like my brain has turned to swiss cheese (laughs) i don't remember anything anymore but i the The hard part i remember creutzfeldt (laughs) jakob you're killing chris michaela right (laughs) (laughs) but i i uh what was hard here's the thing as i recall and correct me if i'm wrong because i may be what i recall was hard was not specific plot details of this episode they're always hard it's always hard breaking these things moment by moment but the really hard part that took five weeks on this one was here's the thing jesse does something very and you know by the way we're sitting here talking about this thing there might be people like screaming on the other end of this thing to themselves saying jesse is a rat jesse rats on walt and we so that that was a big discussion to me, as I recall. The question yeah. was the question A was, and by the way, I mean you know, and everyone has a right to disagree or agree with this assessment, but you know, Jesse really has no other choice here, I think, mm-hmm. other than getting shot in the, which we see later on in this episode. You know, he's there, he's going to light the place on fire, and mm-hmm. boom, here comes Hank, Hank having followed Jesse over here, uh, which we 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 hinted at it in a very oblique fashion in in the previous episode jenny and and michael's episode of Mm -hmm. last week when when hank is sitting in his office and then he uh he suddenly leaves he says i'm going out for the rest of the day so what he's done we realize in hindsight and he's taken gomez's men off of jesse he's taken gomez's men off of jesse and and then he's sitting there stewing in his office for a minute in in last week's episode and he says to janice his assistant i'll be out for the rest of the day no cancel all my meetings right so what happened, we realized in hindsight, he went and sat on Saul Goodman's office himself. Mm-hmm. And so if you do the math in your brain, what happened was Saul Goodman's, he's sitting on Saul Goodman's office, uh, you know, wondering, you know, and Jesse's not even there probably when he gets there. Jesse goes storming out of there, maybe before Hank even arrived. Come, Hank's sitting on the, on the office. Lo and behold, Jesse comes streaking in, busts in. You know, inside what's going on is, is what we saw last week is uh, Saul getting the hell beat out of him by mm-hmm. Jesse. And then Jesse goes tear-assing out of there in a whole different car. With Saul's car, yeah. With Saul's car. Actually, yeah, he probably showed up by via cab or on foot or whatever. And mm-hmm. then he goes screaming off in, in Saul's uh, pearlescent Cadillac there. And so uh, Hank follows from there. So now we're at this very big moment of decision. Do I, do I, do I get shot in the head? <laughs> You know, if you're Jesse, like, do I get shot in the head trying to light this place on fire or do I take the guy's deal because I really, I'm hurting. Mm-hmm. I really want to get this bastard. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is the best way. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about that a lot. And then we talked about the biggest single holdup, as I recall, tell me if I'm wrong, was Walt is a very smart cat. If, But he's got to not see something coming that, that we – it's tough sometimes when the audience knows something that the, the main character doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Because we the audience, do that a lot, though. Yeah. Well, we, we try to avoid it. We, we have certainly done it. We did it all through season uh, three when the cousins were coming for Walt. And Walt didn't know about it, but we, the mm-hmm. viewers, did. Yeah. And I felt uncomfortable that whole season with that stuff because Walt is so smart. He's smarter than I am. He's smarter than all of us are, mm-hmm. really. He's a very smart guy. Right. And you find yourself in a slightly uncomfortable position, it seems to me, as a viewer, when you know more than Walt does, it doesn't feel, it feels like something's awry with the universe. And so we, we for the longest time, we were hung up, I recall, in your episode here, mm-hmm. 512, because we know 
what Jesse's, you know, when do we know what Jesse's up to? And that's why we wait till the start of Act Two for to to show what happened, to show mm-hmm. that the rest of the time it's very mysterioso. Mm-hmm. And if you can guess as a viewer what uh, what's really going on up until the beginning of uh, Act, is it two or three? Two. I'm oh, sorry, beginning of Act Two. If you can guess what's going on, more power to you. But it should feel, hopefully, the way this episode will have worked for the folks listening is that. What the hell happened to Jesse? Where did he go? Yeah. Yeah. Do we buy Walt's argument? Oh, he's high as a kite. And he was. He had snorted a big rail of meth before he came in. Is he? Did he change his mind, have a change of heart? Is he off sleeping it off now? No, he's with Hank, and, and mm-hmm. they're plotting. He's 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 turned uh, informer, and they're right. plotting plotting together. They're they're ganged up together. Yeah. But so. before we get to that, though, you got you guys basically because you we talked about this before we actually started the podcast. You guys said that this episode is one where Walt is sort of like sort of jumping back a little bit in his uh, behavior and everybody else because the confession just happened. Mm-hmm. So Hank, Marie, they're on alert. You know, they're, they realize that they're in a hugely bad position. Skyler is not believing Walt's, you know, story. And even Junior doesn't buy Walt's story of, oh, the gas, you know, the gas uh, Gas uh, exploded all over me and I got it all over. So, you know, when you guys were in the writer's room, how did you decide that that was all going to happen? And were you like ready for all of the rest of our characters to kind of get on board and start, you know, being like sort of adversarial to Walt's like little game? Well, everyone's got a different reason to disbelieve Junior versus Mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... The Skyler of it was also another thing we spent a lot. That's I mean, Skyler is is always it's always been tough just calibrating her yeah. complicity in this world, and it's 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 very different from. I mean, we, we I feel like we took great pains to make it clear that the average schlub who turns out to be a criminal mastermind is really an anomaly, and it's true in Walt's case, but that with Skyler, we wanted to make her we wanted to implicate her. Uh, bit step by step by step yeah and this feels like really one of her last steps here in this yeah. episode where she's just the idea is that she's just uh, so stressed and just had so much of it that at, at this point she really is we talk a lot about the uh, fallacy of sunk costs yeah great expression show. yeah explain the fallacy of sunk costs the fallacy of sunk costs as i understand it is just like it's we talked about it in terms of a lot of gambling which is the idea that you're already down so much to quit now means you're down this amount. The only way that you could ever get anything back is if you gamble more. Yeah. And uh, the pain of sort of walking away a loser is sort of motivates you to keep playing. And in this, oh, that's interesting. And in this instance, lose. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that's sort of what a lot was a big guiding principle uh, in the last couple of seasons. And, and with Skyler, we find, I mean, she finally gets to a, a very Heisenberg place in this episode, but she, yeah. I mean, Anna and she's plays smart the as well. hell out of that you know, scene. Skylar she plays smart, the hell out of that scene. She as well, really yeah. does. Oh, I yeah. mean, and there's, there's something, it's, it's, it's really, she's so, she's so tired and so stricken and so just And they're just hanging calloused. on by a thread. Yeah. This family's yeah. hanging on by a thread. Yeah. And, yeah. and once she has, has put a, 
put Hank and Marie out to dry like right. that. Yeah. Having a hand in that. She's TV. alone. I mean, she sold her soul. Yeah, to she's Satan done. Like, what point, yeah. what worse thing can she do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it is really interesting to see Walt holding on to his humanity, trying yeah. to yeah. like, mm-hmm. and that's a surprise at yeah. this point because you think he's he's the one who would be ahead of everybody. But yeah. it's, yeah. it's and a great rhythmically yeah. in terms of the character inflections. Yeah. It's such the interesting a great thing shift. too to me is that. You know, Walt, just like you said, he's trying to hang on to the family and stuff like that. But I would think that being such a smart guy, like I've always, people have asked me before, you know, uh, what, what do you think is Walt's weakness? And I, my first answer was Skylar because mm-hmm. Walt has always tried, I mean, he's always like compromising, you know, himself and these thoughts. Are, but I would think that he's this smart to not think that she would be this stupid at this point. You mean stupid as in believe in the yeah, gasoline? Believe, yeah, exactly. Well, here's the thing about the gasoline thing, which I loved. I loved the way you wrote it. I love the way you directed it. I love the way Brian played it. If you were dropped into, and at this, if this episode of Breaking Bad was your first one, and you were dropped into that scene, and you hadn't seen what came before it, it's written and directed and played so well, out of context, lacking a context for the scene, his story, to my ear, is absolutely believable. You know, it's 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 just dopey enough. It's just you know chaotic enough. It's just it's the kind of thing that happens in real life. Yeah, I'm doing the thing, and the thing with the thing, and the thing clicked. So I thought, hey, in my naivete, you know, when the thing when it goes kachunk, it's like you know. But then the gas got all over me, and it was burning my groin. I love, I love the word groin. My my my, my groin. You know? That was great. But it's like That's a swear word. <laughs> but in con- out of lacking a context. That's an absolutely believable story. It's just that there's too much water under the bridge. There's 50-odd episodes, 58 episodes. This is number 58 or whatever before of, of Walt just lying through his teeth to his wife. And she's a smart cookie. And at a certain point, it's like, this, you know, it's not the it's not that the story stinks. It's that the guy telling the story stinks. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not going to, constitutionally, yeah. I'm not going to be able to believe a word of it. Yeah. Thanks, Skyler. Meanwhile, Junior doesn't believe it either, but he's got his own reasons. Right. Yeah. He doesn't know anything about his dad's criminality, but he's thinking this has something to do with my, my poor dad has passed out again. Yeah. He bumped his head last time. Right. Now he gets gasoline all over, so I'm really scared. Right. Yeah. So. Well, um, I also want to touch just briefly on the old yeller, you know. Thing That's a great where, scene. I love that scene. Um, where, you know, Saul, this is, uh, Saul's doing this again. We're basically saying, well, maybe it's time to cut our losses, and mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, he doesn't buy into the fallacy of sunk cost. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's much more clear-eyed that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, what's bringing up that Disney, that that beautiful Disney movie from what the '40s is like the '50s or something? I don't even know when. Is it that old? I, I think it is that old. Sad right? man. I think it, maybe it's, it was the '60s. I'd man. forgotten that Saul also is sort of push. I mean, the the thing that we were going for in terms of. You know, Jesse, like Walt, is the smartest guy on the planet. Yeah. But Jesse is a weakness for him. Yeah. And yeah. he's really, when it comes to Jesse, he's really operated against his own best interests. Right. His own best Heisenberg interests. Yeah. Time and time, time again. and time again. Yeah, because Hank brings that up. Hank puts his finger on it. And, uh, yeah, he so does. And that's he a great really scene does. in this episode, too, sitting around Hank's uh, yeah. dining room table yeah, yeah. with uh, Gomi. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Jesse should have been, I mean, it's 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 really his last sort of handhold of humanity. Walt's feelings yeah. for Jesse in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, there's an interesting. Um, now that I think about, it, there's an interesting comparison to be made here. 
I hear anecdotally from folks uh, every now and then, you know, I don't know, uh, Hank, if Hank's so good at his job, if he's so smart, how come he didn't say Walt was the bad guy? Mm. He was right under his nose. And yeah. I say yes. We often don't see things that are indeed right under our noses. Because, because how of, could it be? Because how, it's just something you don't think of. And, yeah. and I think people are either going to like this or, or, or dislike it. Hopefully they'll buy it. I buy it. But um, you, but you are under no obligation to. But uh, <laughs> this is this may be another one of those moments. We, we, we record this in a vacuum. Nobody's seen these episodes yet. Mm-hmm. But um, there may be people out there saying, if Walt is so smart, how come he doesn't see Jesse's uh, ratting on him? And uh, I, I totally buy it. That's the absolute last thing he would imagine yeah. happening. Jesse's a lot of things in my mind. Uh, seeing it from Walt's point of view, Jesse's a lot of things. But he's he's loyal as the day is long. As a matter of fact, that's what he. Uh, that's one of the first things he said to Gustavo Fring when he met him. He said that Gustavo said, "Why would you work with a drug addict?" He says, "Because he does what I say." Yeah. And mm-hmm. Walt has that blind spot, as you just him. said. Well, and, and you know what? Control is one way to look at it. Uh, a more charitable way, on, a, on you know, uh, Walt would say he's he's loyal. He's uh-huh. you know he doesn't. We've come to blows physically. We've punched, we've gotten into fist fights. We've, but you know what? This is a guy who would never rat, and he's pushed him far enough. Well, Jesse, you know, in all fairness, has just found out all these things, and oh, yeah. Jesse's very impulsive. That's for sure. Well, Jesse is impulsive. And he, I mean, he just you know beat up beat up Saul. And then, you know, is like, I mean, he is so angry because, you know, it's not just what Walt did. For me, when we were, when we were working on 511, it's not just what Walt did when he finds out about Brock. It's that he so betrayed him so much again, yeah. you know, and he's so angry. But Walt could say, you know what? He may indeed come and shoot me in the forehead, but he's... So he may be, he may have thought, you know, I got a different way to approach this. And I'm able to talk him down off any ledge, off of any, I'll talk him down. I will get him on the phone. In the meantime, we'll hang out at this hotel. Uh-huh. But I, this guy may indeed, this kid may indeed put a bullet in my brain or burn my house down, or he may be plotting some other revenge, but go to, go to the police. Never. He's just, uh, he doesn't, right. he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't flow that way. So, so well, let's jump to act act two where there actually is the flashback and we finally figure out what the hell has happened to jesse you know and i just thought it was really cool that you guys waited i mean i was like sitting there going how what the you know what where could he possibly have gone and why and who and you know and even even when i read the episode uh the first time and i didn't even think about the fact that yes hank is on him and hank has gotten him because i was like what happened you know but uh, you actually, Sam, um, you know, we, this was, this was a, a, we've done this a couple times this season where we actually worked with footage or with a story point that we had in a previous episode. So you, I had cut, um, actually, I, I must give it to my assistant, Chris, who's sitting here recording this. Chris actually cut the scene where Jesse comes, you know, roaring up in the, in the RV and we had the stuff with the um, snorting of the meth. Then we not were told... the Cadillac? Yeah. Not the RV. Just oh, I'm sorry, the RV? Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. When he comes rolling up a salt Cadillac. Yes, the Cadillac. Yeah. And we actually had the footage where he's snorting, and Chris cut a great scene where he's snorting the stuff, and then we were told, no, we can't use that. All we could use was him driving up. Practically looks like he crashes into the house yeah, when he did. hits the brakes. It was a good stop. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then we, we have him kicking out the door and going into the... Uh, into the uh, into the house, and so then Sam, you took 
our stuff mm-hmm. and kind of expounded on that. You used the the snorting of the meth, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff. Hey, everybody, I know this is going to be a little bit different in the podcast this season, but uh, I've got a couple of little clips uh, with Aaron Paul's thoughts on a couple different episodes. And so I'm just going to inject them here. It's not going to be all smooth. So I apologize for that, but I definitely wanted to bring you uh, Aaron's thoughts on on some of these later episodes. Um, uh, if you were listening before in uh, this, the episode 511 podcast, you'll know that we recorded these and he wasn't in town and I just kind of like ran by his house a couple of weeks ago and got his thoughts. So uh, forgive me uh, if it doesn't seem that smooth, but uh, here's Aaron's thoughts on 512. Okay, great. Thanks. Hey, I'm here with Je- uh, with uh, with Jesse. I'm here with Aaron Paul at Aaron Paul's house. Hey, <laughs> yep. what's up? A whole, week, a whole week has gone by. Yeah, and, um, and I'm here with Aaron. <laughs> and uh, we're gonna. I'm just gonna throw in a couple of uh, a couple of thoughts, uh, Aaron, um, because you weren't a- able to be with us on the five uh, the five twelve podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the podcast where um, when we left uh, our last. Um, uh, when we left in 511, actually in 511, you know, we talked about you uh, beating up Saul, but we didn't talk about you going over to Walt's house and, you know, pouring gasoline. Oh, all my over. God. You got right. to drive Saul's yeah. car. And yeah. it looks like you practically crash into the house. But yeah. it was a st- stunt driver, right? Right. right. I <laughs> actually I was begging and pleading uh, to do it because I'm like, I can do this. I, I know how to do this stuff. <laughs> and they're like, no, you yeah. are not doing this. <laughs> So um so you go into the uh, the house and you spread gasoline and we yeah. cut right there we cut like on this frame you're just like ah and gas is pouring all over the camera yeah. And, yeah. so when we pick that back up though it was weird in that episode we start in the teaser and we don't actually see what happened to you until act two it was mm. the most bizarre thing but we find out that Hank has been watching you all along right and Hank comes in and holds a gun on you as you're pouring gasoline about to let the heist uh, light the house on fire right so um at that point when you read that script um what was going on then because all of a sudden you've got to now help hank because walt is so crazy and so evil what was going on then oh man there's just i mean so many things going on Uh, i wanted to light that house on fire (laughs) so bad when i read that he was pouring gasoline all over and at the end of 511 i was like Yes, <laughs> finally, thank God. And then it cuts to, you know, uh, in 512, you don't know where he is. He's not there. Like, where did he go? Yeah. And then in Act 2, it, uh, you know, flashes back to him in the car. You realize he's back on drugs. Right. Um, he goes back in there. He's going to, you know, light the place on fire. And then all of a sudden, Hank's there with a gun. And so uh, there's just so much going on. I mean, you see just the emotional cry he screams out saying he can't keep getting away with this. Yeah. He can't keep getting away with this. Uh, when I read that, it 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 choked me up because it's true. It's just like such a, a desperate plea for help in a way. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He doesn't want to... He, he, we all know he can't stand Hank. So mm-hmm. if this is the way to take him down, then... So be it. Yeah. Obviously, he needs some sort of help. I don't know. So I was a little worried. I was like, "Wow, Jesse's gonna team up with Hank." Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder what the audience. I still. I wonder what the audience is gonna um, 
or how they're going to feel about that. Well, what's interesting about it too is, yeah, you don't know. And it's funny because he takes you home and then you kind of like meet Marie, which is right. like bizarre. It was just like almost a throwback to last year when you meet Skylar and you're having yeah. dinner. That's like, apparently is like a lot of people's favorite scenes. People come up to me all the time. They go, I love when Jesse like eats green beans. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, that's one of my favorite scenes to film. You know, I only, I only had the opportunity to work with the brilliant Anna Gunn back in season one and episode right. two when Jesse's pulling Emilio's dead corpse out of the, <laughs> out of the, the, RV. the, the RV, which was just so brilliant. And then when I read this, I was laughing out loud the entire time, but it was very hard for us to hold it together during that scene. I, we were just... Because Betsy, you're talking about the Anna scene? Or no, the Betsy? not the, the Cause Anna scene. Because yeah. Betsy is hilariously Betsy funny. is so funny. And that was so, <laughs> so great. I mean, Jesse is there holding a glass of coffee and a DEA mug <laughs> inside of Hank Schrader's house yeah, exactly. and there's purple everywhere and Jesse's looking at Marie and her purple wedding dress by herself I was like what is happening here what is this big purple rug where am I um, but yeah it's pretty, uh, pretty um, so Jesse teams up with these guys but he um, decides at the end when they put a wire on him and he's mm. gonna go confront Walt in the park um, and then Jesse gets an idea and makes a phone call and says, I'm not going to do, you know, what you say anymore. You know, basically that's what he says to him. Right. And then Jesse has his own idea. All right. So, uh, that, that concludes five, yeah. uh, five twelve. Um, you know, at this point, let me ask you this too. When you guys, you guys read the scripts when we read the scripts, I right. mean, you guys don't get advanced at all no. and you had no idea you guys don't get advanced story or mm -hmm. anything. Um, so at this point, when you guys get the scripts, what do you do? Do you guys, do you just, oh. you know. <laughs> I run a bath, I pour a bottle of wine into a giant glass, light some candles. No, I, uh, yeah, when you get it, it's just like, you know, it's like a precious metal. It's just, oh God, like I have to protect this thing. And it's, um, it was very hard, the final eight episodes. Do your buddies ask you at all? Oh, they always do. And then I'm like, all right, you know what? I'll tell you, but don't say, and then they're like, stop, no, yeah. do not tell me. I know, I've done what that too. What are you too. thinking? I've done that too. I'll yeah. say, okay, do you really want to know? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, stop asking. stop asking. Then. No one really wants to know. My wife doesn't want to know. She she's, she's doesn't ask. She's upstairs with earplugs on. Yes, so we, exactly. I'm like, you are upstairs in earplugs. She's like, I know, I already got them in. I'm like, yes. <laughs> okay, so um, I know it's weird, but uh, that was Aaron, and uh, we're going to jump back to the regular podcast. All right, see ya. Uh, then Hank comes in, excuse me. Yeah. And then Hank comes in. So, um, um, so, you know, let's talk about the flashback, you know, Hank, you know, I know we've talked a little bit briefly about, you know, the motivation and stuff, but you know, Jesse really has no choice at this point. And so, you know, he, he Hank takes him to the house and then, you know, he's like, Oh, I've got a spa package for you, Marie. Like Marie, he needs to get Marie out of the way. Yeah, right. Which is like, I Marie, love this. And Marie's I love like, are you, kidding me you know? i love i love these two worlds colliding i love <laughs> marie finally 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 yeah. meeting jesse pinkman i love the way you played it mm -hmm. i that was another moment uh, directorially where you're you have an excellent eye and where i pictured in my head that jesse would awake awaken in that back bedroom and he'd walk uh, right around a corner and come face to face with Marie. But he's like drooling on the thing yeah yeah in yeah. The <laughs> but you, which is great. I love that shot. He's <laughs> drooling in the foreground. But after he awakens, yeah, uh, I had it in my mind. They what I pictured, you know, reading the script was they'd run into each other like practically nose to nose. But I like how 
He's at one end of the hall, and then she, you're looking all the way down the hall, and she crosses the T at the end of the hallway from right to left, and then she's standing there looking down the hall at him, and they're actually at quite a remove from one another. I mm-hmm. thought that was, but I remember on the on the on the tech scout, you're you're explaining that to the to the to the lighting guys, uh, to uh, Steve Latecki and his guys, you know, and I was thinking to myself. And I bit my tongue again, but I was thinking, I don't know, is that the best way to do it? And it really is. It's a great, a great. It's just so much more interesting uh, compositionally. Yeah, it's good tension like that, in that, that scene. That distance, that physical distance, yeah. is great. And and Betsy plays it. So both of them, Betsy and Aaron. It's the first time they ever got to. They yeah. know each other very well. Yeah. They're like old dear friends. They've been working together so long, and yet they've never been on screen together. Yeah. I, yeah. So Which is funny. Are you welcoming Jesse and Turner? Yeah. yeah. Do you want some coffee? I mean, that's all she says. She's great. It's like, you know, but then Hank, basically Hank's idea is to get a confession you know, to, to record a confession, which is smart, I thought. Yeah. You know, it's a, I mean, Jesse, he's got Jesse and Jesse, I mean, Hank at this point is like in a really bad place and he needs evidence, yeah. you know, because He's, you know, he just received the confession and really, I, I mean, I got to say that, you know, we might, I can't remember if we talked about this. I'm sure we did because we did a, an hour on, on uh, 511 and just half the show. But it's like, I, re, I, I got to say that it's one of those things where as a viewer, it's like we all should have seen this coming. We, there's, you guys laid great groundwork for this whole, for that whole confession. So now Hank is in a place where he. Well, which absolutely, confession? You mean with Walt? Walt's uh, can, yeah, Walt. So can not, 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 not Jesse's confession. No, no, Last no, week, Walt's. Walt's. Yeah, yeah. And so but Walt's fake confession, exactly. where Hank is the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, and we all should have seen that coming. And it's one of those things. Was, oh, you got me. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful piece because I feel like even as a viewer, I was like, ah, that's great. But now Hank is in a place where he absolutely needs evidence because Walt does have him on all these different points. Yeah. So his idea is to get Jesse to talk because Jesse's in a really bad place. Yeah. And I mean, part of it, you know, Hank is like using Jesse. I mean, you know, we, yeah. we talked about it a minute ago where, you know, you've got this scene where he, he, know, he sees how Walt feels about Jesse and they can actually use him. But... He's like, even at the end of this, when they say, you know, when he and Gomi are talking and, you know, they have the idea to put a wire on Jesse, they're like, look, if, if Walt decides to like go crazy and shoot Jesse, well then we have, yeah, you Hank's know, cold. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was like, moment. that was awesome because yeah. Hank, but Hank has got his back to the wall at this point, at this point, don't you think? I mean, you know. Yeah, but he doesn't. None of this but, feels like desperation moves. It feels it feels kind of cold and calculated, and dare I say, a little Heisenbergian. That's in that true. moment when 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 Hank says, "Hey, so what? The, you that meth head is peeing all over my guest bathroom floor." <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So he gets killed, and we get it all on tape. That sounds very cold. And no, and, it it know. absolutely is. But don't you think that it? I mean, it's like first of all, he had to come clean to Gomi, right? Yeah, this you is this I mean? this was the time he had to do that, it. That's mm-hmm. a big deal. But go, Steve Kazada plays a great. He does. Yeah. He does really a great does. job. He's always episode. had this thing where you know he's been on the the lookout for the and you know even Gomez was like yeah you know I don't know maybe you're on to something but you know the, there's no evidence or anything. Now yeah. he's had to come clean to Gomi, but now he's saying look you know I have him and he does give the confession. 
Um, and we don't really get to see what Jesse says on camera so much. You can look forward to on your uh, Blu-ray or DVD device uh, when the <laughs> season comes out on uh, on, on various uh, mediums, uh, <laughs> Blu-ray or DVD. Uh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be an extra feature. Oh, okay. Seeing seeing this confession and Walt's full confession from last week's episode too. Ah, okay. Be special features, which will um, be a lot of fun. But yeah, so. But but basically they're like okay the the next move now because Walt is oh he Hank has commandeered Jesse's little Hello Kitty phone as well yeah 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. where did the Hello Kitty phone come from you know what I think it was uh, Mark Hansen our prop master gave us uh, we 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 knew we needed story wise we needed a visually distinct distinctive phone that we would know because cell phones all kind of look alike to me but yeah. we needed a distinctive one so that. We would know it was not Hank's. We would remember that it was Jesse's. Uh, so he showed us a bunch of options, including a Hello Kitty phone. It's so which emasculating. All, yeah. <laughs> and so it became a story point in last week's episode yeah. where he's like, yo, dude, seriously? And he's like, seriously, it's free. Stop busting my balls. Which was a great line that... Uh, beggar's Je- chooser yeah, situation. Yeah, beggar's chooser situation. That was all great stuff Jenny Hutchison wrote. Uh, so the point being, uh, I think it was not it was not product placement. It was that we. It made us laugh when we saw it as a possibility amongst the many prop phones Mark Hansen had for us, and then and then we began the process of uh, Janine clearing it, uh, mm-hmm. our wonderful clearance person, uh, and ultimately using the real ring that corresponded to that. Yeah, phone. which you got to get a music sign off for that. You got to pay the composer who composed the ringtone. Yeah, it's a fair. lot of work. Goes yeah, it's tough to make a TV yeah. show. <laughs> But but so Hank has commandeered the phone, so he's actually gotten the 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 phone call that Walt um, that Walt made to Jesse, the voicemail that you know saying I I'll be at the park, I want to just talk, let's talk this out because Walt just like you said feels like he can talk him well, off. Well, actually, ledge. the phone call message that he's listening to in Act Two is the phone message that Walt leaves in Act One. That's right. So That's where right. he's like, I hope you're okay. Sleep it off. Da 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 da. Whenever call me, and the and the idea is Hank is will be listening to any future messages coming yeah, in. Right. Exactly. So we don't see Hank listen to the. My bad. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's all running together. But you know this this is this is a good example of the tricky. Yeah, this was tricky. chronology in this episode yeah. that that Melissa you were talking about a little while ago when when. We see Hank listening to that message uh, in Act Two or Three, Act Two, I guess, that Walt left in Act One. We are clearly back in time because the message just went through. So you gotta you gotta watch this one real closely in the sense that uh, Act Two is essentially running, you know, during the same time period that Act One did. We're back in time for Act Two, right? And it's easy to miss that. Uh, it's subtle. Uh, we don't spell it out particularly, but. Breaking Bad fans uh, are really uh, astute and watch yeah. things very closely, so we figured it would work fine. I will say, as far as I didn't edit this one, but I I have uh, a couple of similar events, um, and y- you, I'm sure that in this one, like with editing, we can like take these phone calls, we can kind of like cut time between words, we can move things around, and I know that you were probably very adamant about no, it has to play the exact same way from scene to scene. Yeah, it's got to have the same pauses, it's got to have the same, yeah. you know, it can't, you can't play like you know with phone calls all the time, we play around with time. Sure, you know, and in this one, 
Um, like I said, I didn't have, uh, edit this episode, but I'm assuming yeah. that the same thing happened where yeah. you said, no, when Walt leaves that message, we need the exact same reading, the exact same cadence, the exact same time that, yeah. for it to play back. Can't on the, steal any frames out to make it shorter. Yeah. Because, it, yeah, they it just, yeah, it has to be the same. Otherwise, it's kind of a cheat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are talking about that great location by the pool? Talk about the hotel. Mm-hmm. Talk yes, about yes. the hotel room. Let's talk about the hotel. Which was different. Well, Mark Freeborn. Well, we went. We knew we were going to need a hotel room yeah. for the big Skyler Walt scene in Act One. So we went to look around at different hotels, and and um, there were big suites that we, you know, we needed enough. Yeah. The trick with a hotel room is you need enough room for the cameras and the crew and the lights and all that stuff. Yeah. So they showed us a lot of suites, yeah. but we couldn't. Also, you got to be able to get them in and out of the building. Which in and is out of the big building, yeah. up and down an elevator, it's time consuming. Yeah. And uh, we didn't want to. everything yeah. yeah. We didn't want a suite because we wanted to have a sense that they had a separate room from Junior. Yeah, right. Good point. And so Mark Freeborn built this amazing suite, uh, yeah. this amazing set. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mark designed it, W. Mm, Gilpin built it, it and uh, Michael Flowers and his crew. Uh, dressed it beautiful beautiful really? that's all a set it's one of the mm-hmm. best sets fantastic set a, a beautiful yeah. room yeah the and photography we all, the photography I don't know who I have to I can't remember who took the photographs but Mark sent someone out to Tahajali um, to specifically take those photographs for the hotel room yeah. so that it sort of Oh, the photos, on the, photos on the walls. Photos on the walls. So, so if you look real closely, Tahajali is, of course, where, where it all began back in the pilot. That's yeah. where <laughs> Walt was and Jesse were first cooking meth, and yeah. Walt was in his underpants uh, waiting for the cops to come, <laughs> holding the gun. And, and then now we, we have seen uh, in yeah. two episodes ago, that's where he is he has buried his, uh, his, his black barrels of money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, so, yeah. Uh, that, who's, and that was Mark Freeborn's idea? The Tahajali of it was the my, photos on, oh, was the photo, my oh, idea. Oh, there's yeah. your great I idea. I wanted to have like uh, great the idea. chiaroscuro type of things on the on the wall. Yeah. Um, and I love the wall behind the bed. Yeah, the bed. Yeah. With the, with the different, yeah. the, the, the multi-dimensional blocks of wood sticking yeah. out. I love that. Yeah. Really, it's really beautifully yeah. built. No, it's a, it was such an incredible we, set. We, we did not want to leave it. We figured it. Walt would have the nicest hotel room yeah. in Albuquerque. Yeah. Um, and then the... the we actually did use a hotel for the swimming pool. Yeah, which and was, for the quite the quick exterior too. Yeah, the quick exterior. Yeah, yeah. Um, we found this great swimming pool at the Hard Rock. Although someone was telling me it's no longer the Hard Rock or it's about to become something else. But was yes. oh, that true? Yeah, I did not know that. It's um, a good scene with Junior too. Oh yeah, Junior's yeah. Great. RJ's, RJ's great, great in that scene. Great He's really scene. great, and um, and it is the site of the Onion. The recovery yep. center that um, Jesse is in oh, seasons the, ago. Yeah. Top of three. Yeah. Top of season three. So yeah. when you shot the exterior, you had to make sure not to include the onion because it, right. it would sort of give away the Oh, that stu- connection. Oh, the structure. Right. The structure, okay, there was it. a terracotta. It looked like a terracotta onion you know that like Jesse the, was in in the green robe when he was in recovery. Yeah. Before we forget, though, I'm sorry. Let's Can we jump back? Because we actually get to see Dave. Oh, That's yeah. right. We, we meet Dave. Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, who we talked a lot Dave about. Dave is real. <laughs> he is real. And we, 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 he was one of those people like Carlton, the, the, the doorman on Rhoda or something like that, that we thought we would maybe never meet. But uh, and, and Marie's funny because she's like a friend, a friend. And, you know, Dave is, I mean, Dave, I don't, 
I don't think Dave is stupid, but you know, it's like he's like, "Can you just tell me?" And she's like, "No, you know." Yeah. It's like so. <laughs> no, I never well, thought we'd meet Dave. Yeah, and we we had sort of outsized ideas for uh, um, Dave yeah. going along and. Who's talking. played by Bruce McKenzie? Yeah. Bruce McKenzie is fantastic, and uh, but <laughs> we, you know, we we sort of toned him down when we decided to meet him. We, uh, you know, we pictured him in like hemp. <laughs> and like you know hemp drawstring pants yeah hemp drawstring <laughs> pants and like like cut off mid calf <laughs> yeah. someone like that and harachis yeah and, uh, um <laughs> is that how you say that who looked yeah, like jerry garcia or something like that yeah. but um and we have a little little bit of sense of that that he's slightly alternative with it with the guitar i love case. the guitar that's a great touch and uh um but yeah, he was great, and, and he's just a really good, competent psychologist. And it was nice to have, I think we come into the scene not knowing who he is, and are wondering, sort of the tension is like, who is she talking to? Is this the police or whatever? And uh, so it was nice to give, to get into her head, because Marie has all these, you know, divided loyalties here. Or not divided loyalties, but like... It was, it was a good opportunity yeah. that we kind of came across to sort of have her unchecked about what was going on. And so even she is uh, thinking, you know, homicidally these days. Yeah, yeah. And she's alone. You know, she's just been yeah. hit with something that she is sort of complicit in, mm-hmm. un- unfortunately. Yeah. But she has basically lost her relationship with her sister yeah. as well. Yeah. And oh, she's, she's, she's alone. She's Grieving. I mean, yeah, it's like a totally, death in the family, except totally. worse in a way. And mm-hmm. yet, she's trying to be an anchor for Hank in yeah. this horrible time. I love yeah. that line where, where he refers to like how upset she was about the parking rules. Yeah, when he's <laughs> trying to shift the conversation. Try, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can imagine what a what a normal yes. session would include. That's funny. funny. Another great set, by the way. That's a soundstage yeah. set. Yeah. And you know it's amazing what what lighting can do. Uh, mm-hmm. That wonderful lighting that uh, that uh, Michael and, and Steve Latecki, his his gaffer and, and uh, their crew give, because it's just a couple of twigs and like a couple of hedges, you know, yeah. out and then just light. And then you you sort of picture there's this whole world out those two windows in the background behind yeah behind uh, Betsy in that case. And it's just it's just a bunch of lights pumping in, and yeah. it's just a soundstage out there. Yeah. It's amazing. And she plays it great too. I mean, like, you know, there's no nothing glib or flip about her. I mean, everyone's really, they're done. There's really not a lot for her to make jokes about anymore. You uh, know, it's just yeah, she's so, pretty broken. So let's jump to your last act where you've got the park set up. You know, basically you got the the the. the I, I don't think it's not really a stakeout at this point. What, what would you call it? It's um, yeah, I think it's a stakeout. A stakeout? It's a, mm. Okay. Yeah, they're staking yeah. it out uh, with uh, video, and they're ready to catch uh, yeah. Walt uh, incriminating himself. Right. I guess you'd call it a stakeout. Mm-hmm. So Sam, yeah. being a great location. Yeah. At- yeah, it felt like a type of location we hadn't really used before yet, which was sort of the real. Um, I don't know, white collar urban setting, you know, like yeah. that, like that's like uh, Civic Plaza, I think it's mm. called. It's called Civic Plaza. Right. And I remember when you put it in the script, I was thinking Civic Plaza, that sounds so generic. It's yeah. like we're, we're no. in uh, Civic Plaza in, uh, in, in, you know, in 
downtown uh, Springfield, right. you know. Smithville. Smithville, <laughs> Civic Plaza, <laughs> Gotham Civic Plaza. Right. But that was, that's the real name of it. Yeah. So you got to use a real name. Real federal buildings around there, and there's a nice hotel in the uh, convention center. Yep. And the mayor's office overlooks that plaza. Yes. And the police department. Actually, if you look so, wait beyond... A Okay. You guys got the the, the police to all that. You guys cleared all that just to shoot. I can't believe they gave you clearance to shoot a television show with all that with all that highbrow offices and stuff there. I mean that was the Ann Lerner, who is our liaison with the city, helped out quite a bit. Yeah. There yeah. was there's a lot of mountains to move yeah. to make that work. To like the mayor's mm-hmm. office and the police department, and everything. Wow. They all had to stay home that day. Yeah. <laughs> with their covers pulled over their heads. Just to shoot a TV no, that's they, impressive. They actually it's it's not as it it is impressive and Albuquerque has been great to us. But and Ann Lerner just like Melissa said, has been a wonderful liaison and given us uh untold help. But I mean, it's not like it's not like everything shuts down around there. People still go about their business. It's just when you're shooting in a certain direction, because mm-hmm. you're not shooting in every direction at once. You're shooting this way, and then you're shooting this way, and then you're shooting that no, way. No, of course. But no, I just mean, and we did shoot, you know, up high. Yeah. So there were yeah. there were points in time where we did actually control. <laughs> but I mean, right. I, I guess just, that's true. Just in okay, a position like you're that, right. where you're yeah. using like the you know major, you know major city you know, buildings and, and stuff like that. It's like, if an emergency happened, you know what I mean? If it's an emergency like, happened, yeah. they'd, they'd, they'd go about their business well, and we'd yeah. be all cut, I guess. But, but, but it's just funny that they actually gave you clearance to do it, so that's really impressive, you know. And as Sam said, there was a police station on one of those corners that we had to come Right behind where <laughs> Hank's truck is. Where his minivan is. Where his minivan yeah, is. Yeah, right, right, that's right. That's literally right on the steps of the police headquarters, <laughs> right there. That's right, it is. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Which is where, I mean, right by where you shot uh, for when you were doing 12, 412 and 413. Wait a minute, you're right. That's the same yeah, stretch you... of sidewalk where, where Jesse got snatched yeah, in front in of the police. Yeah, you're, mm-hmm. when you got put in the in yet another minivan. <laughs> and yeah. then we got tasered and put in the minivan. Yeah. That's right, same stretch of sidewalk. Yeah. But Sam, um, as far as like this, was this your, do you feel like this was your biggest um, you know, moment as far as like you have a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, having to deal with. You've got cameras moving. You shot up high. You shot all these different angles, but you have a lot of extras. Was it? Yeah. Were you? Was it? Did you make? Did it make you nervous or? It did. Where I mean, in the schedule also was it? It was, was the it? second week. Oh, okay. Um, uh, but the ads, Brett Dos Santos was the uh, ad, and uh, you know he and his crew did a great job with all the extras. It's amazing yeah, how busy it looks on camera when you're like, wow, these are all the extras I have. But it does. It gives it a nice sense of it. They did a great job with that, yeah. um, and it was just a it was just a bunch of little pieces, and uh, we, you just break it down into the Hanks point of view shots, and then the jesse pov and then we're on jesse and it was really i spent more time just with a pen and uh, i was gonna say paper, just map writing it, out? it down and mapping it out <laughs> yeah one day or two days out there two, two. days two days wow. at least it was uh, warm and pleasant when you were out there oh shoot. yeah yeah because yeah, it was like when was, I was it? it was joking like it was, yeah. it was like below freezing right right yeah, it was yeah. like february it was february no it was january Maybe it was no, it was January. Really? It was January, but it wasn't as cold as the week before. Oh yeah, so, that was even colder. But the actors were still sort of complaining. Yeah, I actually, oddly enough, I don't think it <laughs> registered as, as 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 the elements were not as bad as they could have been. Yeah. 
Could be worse. I just kept saying it. Could them, be raining. We're just lucky. <laughs> just we're lucky we all have jobs, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you guys were in the room breaking this thing, um, this part of it, so you basically said, Okay, um, Jesse's gonna go along with Hank's plan and then so how did that how'd you guys break act four, basically? Same way we always do, just sheer unadulterated brilliance. Yeah. <laughs> just that's where the talent kicks in, usually. That's where the talent <laughs> And, no, and, I mean, and the you, methamphetamine. How yeah. did you guys decide? Did you know um, in the very beginning that you were going to have Jesse like go against this plan like impulsively? Or? No, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm joking a second ago what I said. It's just, it's just, you just, you just bang your head again, figuratively speaking, against the wall until something clicks. Not so know. figuratively. Sometimes not so figuratively. <laughs> yes, I've literally done that. But it's just, you think through every possibility. Yeah. But it, you know, it's kind of a given on Breaking Bad that. I mean, I, one of the moments I love, by the way, in this episode, one of my favorite scenes in this episode is is something we alluded to earlier is Walt, I'm sorry, not Walt, uh, Hank and Jesse and Gomi sitting around uh, Hank's dining room table and, 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 and Jesse's saying, look, you guys, you guys are just guys. This guy, Mr. White, he's the he's, devil. Yeah. And however luckier. you think this is, he's luckier, <laughs> he's smarter. smarter. <laughs> and however you think this thing is going to go, it's going to be the absolute reverse. Exactly. I love that, that little piece. I too. love that dialogue in this scene. Great. great dialogue. That is great really dialogue. good. And that, in a nutshell, beautifully put into it's true. Jesse's words, but it's that, and that's, that's it. That's <laughs> so it's like you approach a scene like that saying, okay, how do we, I mean, when in doubt, you say to yourself, how do we subvert expectations? Sometimes sub- subverting expectations is to make it be exactly what it appears to be, which is kind of from Walt's well, point of Jesse's, view, what this is. Jesse's right. When he says to Hank, it's the exact reverse opposite of what you think is going to happen, which is really just another way of saying you're right. Because <laughs> Hank is right, Jesse's wrong. Yeah, yeah. Because everything that Hank, if Jesse yeah. listens to Hank yeah. and his advice, because Hank's right about Walt, he's got his finger on it, which is that Walt does have a soft spot. Yeah, for Jesse. Yeah, for Jesse. That Walt is all these terrible things that Jesse says, except for when it comes to Jesse. Yeah. And if he wasn't seeing ghosts, yeah, Jesse in this last scene, they'd have him. They'd have him. They'd they would have had him. But Jesse's. So haunted by Walt now that uh, he can't he can't, he can't take Hank's wisdom. Now. Excellent point, excellent point, and 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 it should be. I, I feel I need to add to that. Jesse's not an idiot for believing this. He's very smart. He's also very shell shocked and yeah. and suffering from post traumatic stress just by knowing this son of a bitch. You know. Yeah. So Jesse is not a dummy. He's right, and yet he's wrong. Yeah, which is what I love about that scene. Yeah, yeah. But it, uh, but it also it feels like Jesse's getting him more sort of fair and square, but with this, you know, this sort of left turn that he takes, where mm-hmm. he's like, where it's not going to be him caught on a uh, purely on a wire. And we don't it's, know what that turn is. Yeah, yet. yeah. I mean, yeah. it just feels but, like he's yeah. taking control. He's taking the reins yeah, yeah, in a yeah. way that feels a little more appropriate to that. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. That back and forth between those but two. But hopefully, two if you go and you rewatch the series, there should be dozens of moments where you're like. God, if it was just even ever so slightly different, yeah. everything, you know, if if Walt hadn't showed up and saved Jesse in season mm-hmm. three with it, you can imagine that Walt and Gus may have had some partnership, yeah. you know, everything, yeah. but these little things, you know, the ability to unravel, uh, you know. Very good point. Yeah. The, but you know what? I like that Jesse. The Jesse makes a, a really interesting statement in his phone call to Walt in that park. 
and he says, I'm not going to, I think he says something like something to the effect of, I'm not going to do what you say anymore. Mm -hmm. And I like the fact that even though he's like sort of caught, he has a, an idea. I don't know if he even knows if it's going to pan out, yeah. but he, he is not going to refuse even at this state to do what everybody you know wants him to do, and he's not going to be taken by Mr. White anymore, or mm. by Hank. Yeah, that's I mean, what I mean. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like he still has. I don't know if he knows that he has a trump card or he still has a card to play. It looks like he's got a trump card at the end of this episode. But we does he know it? it he seems very self-assured okay, at the yeah. end, doesn't he? When, mm -hmm. With that great stunt, by the way. I love the, the minivan comes sliding yeah. around the, uh, <laughs> drift, drifting around the corner there. Yeah. And, uh, and then, uh, what was that a stunt man? Yeah, was, what did you have to do? Yeah, what did you have to... Did you have fun, Sam? That was great, too, because that actually, that could look, it looks like it could be two shots, but it is actually one where he leaves frame. Yeah. And then he comes in with a screech, and then the door enters frame again. The guy, <laughs> the, I don't know the stunt driver's name, but he excellent job. And that's actually right alongside the police headquarters. Right I wonder there. if it was Larry. You think it was Larry? It was, was a different. It was, I it don't know, because it wasn't for Hank. Okay. I yeah, mean, yeah. it was for Hank, not yeah, for yeah, yeah, Walt. Right, right. Larry well, does all of uh, Brian's stunt yeah. driving. Larry, who's uh, like a, a champion, uh, 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 what do you call those things? So you ride on the water, the water motorcycles. Jet ski. Uh, jet jet ski. skis. Really? The champion jet ski guy, yeah. Wow. Huh. He's very cool. They're all, all the stunt guys on this show have yeah. been just genius. Just great. And and Sam, as you talk about that last shot, it's so great that we're with Walt in the car making that phone call and what we hear and what we don't hear. And yeah. yeah. Talk about that and I want to talk about something along the lines of that when you when you're done. Uh well the last shot was, you know, it's sort of like the idea of the episode is like everyone's telling Walt what he should be doing. And from a Heisenberg point of view, he should be doing this. And he's resisting and resisting and resisting and resisting. And finally, at the end, he can't resist anymore. And he has to sort of, in a lot of ways, cross another line, even for him, yeah. which is to get rid of Jesse, yeah. which is something he really doesn't want to do. So, Well, also what's interesting, too, is that this season is like, you know, like, uh, let's put it this way. At the end of 508... Um, he was like, I'm out, and he's got his family life back. He's got everything he wants. He's got his money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's got his family. He's got his kids. Yeah. Everything is back to normal. His wife is, can yeah. tolerate him, lets exactly. him sleep in her sleep bed. In a, yeah. yeah, and so at this point, he's got everything. They're running the car wash. He's got ideas about expanding the car wash. It's like this is he's living his dream at this point, and he has money. And he had his fun, you know, with the whole, you know, thing. And but then Hank throws a kink in it by finding that book. He got too com complacent, I guess. Yeah, yeah I think you're and right. and so now he's like trying, trying, trying to get back on track. He's not gonna let this little thing. So fine, he's gonna do the his confession tape, and that should like wipe everything away. And it's not. And just like you said just now, it's like he doesn't want to do this to Jesse. It's like Jesse, take your money and. No, mm -hmm. maybe you should go disappear. You could have a family. You could no, all these things that he said to no. him the last thing. And he was hoping that, you know, that would happen and he could go on with his life and live happily ever after. Even though the cancer is back, I get the feeling that he thinks he can beat it also, right? I mean he feels I like I believe he I believe yeah. he thinks that. He thinks like, he's yeah, I believe you're right. I mean, there was one thing that you guys did in five oh nine. 
Yeah, 509 is when they were at the car wash together. And one of the things I noticed is that you actually have, he and Skylar are dressing alike. They're yeah. actually in that white sort of that cream. beige sort of creamy. Yeah, kind of, and they, yeah, but it's not beigey like it used to be You're beige. Right. It's like, it's, a it's little actually classier. a nice, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they're all, they're on the same page is what it kind of says French vanilla. Yes. They're, they're mm-hmm. kind of, they're working together. They're on the same page. Things are good. Yeah. And just like you just said, he, um, there's so many times when he should have done things as Heisenberg, but he got to where he, he got his dream. So, mm-hmm. you know, the one thing I wanted to mention, um, and this is mostly for our viewers, um, uh, I mean, for our listeners, but I just want to say that um, all this year we have been living under like a shroud of secrecy. We had secret names for our for our uh, our production, we had secret names when our film came to the lab. We, mm. you guys, have always had a secret name on the door to your office. Um, so, but the thing that we actually had to live with in in, in production and post production is the the redacted script. We would get scripts that had black lines through a lot of stuff. Yeah. This year, and one of those things, because I was reading, rereading the script this morning, and that last phone call mm-hmm. is redacted. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what the hell was that? And then I remembered because I did the next episode. So when did you guys decide to like let the redaction up? I mean, when did people find out? Like on the set, when did you get, when you had to prep, when did you let it I was never allowed to read anything but the redacted script, so this is all news <laughs> to me. <laughs> Uh, no, actually, the redacted uh, scripts, uh, I don't know. Because the, they I, got more and more redacted. They yeah, did. The way we handled yeah. the redacted st- scripts was that we had a unredacted version in the office that anybody could come see at any time. Oh, okay. But the only people that had unredacted versions were the director, the AD, the uh, sound, the actors in the scene. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and, and the producers. So in it. this one, Todd, I mean, he, uh, excuse me, Walt makes the call. He, he decides to make the call, Todd, you know. Yeah. 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 And it then was, we cut to black. And I, feel, I always felt bad about redacting it because our crew has always been, historically, since season one, have, you, this is a crew that has, you'd, you'd see them in between takes or setups or whatever you'd see them reading the scripts yeah and, and that is not a given on no. a tv show where no. we're crew people want to know what what's going on they want to be abreast of what's going on I, i've worked on shows where i'd hear a driver or somebody say hey it looked like something interesting was going on i might actually watch the show this week yeah you know? it's just like but uh this show breaking bad has been wonderful in that the crew for a lot of reasons one of them being that the crew was so invested yeah that it felt i felt bad when we started yeah. redacting everything because uh but it wasn't because we didn't trust it the wasn't crew. because we didn't trust them it's no. just yeah. historically i think that culturally film crews tend to be kind of like carny folk in the sense that <laughs> <laughs> no, they're but the steely thing is, and the thing too though is is our scripts go, our scripts go to a lot of other people didn't besides the crew them. right yeah I, I mean our scripts go to like amc corporate yeah, they and go but to they were they corporate. were redacted to only the very few people at Sony and at AMC had unredacted scripts. Our squinty, yeah. raisin-eyed executives at yeah. Sony and AMC. So Frankly, though, I mean, most of the time, you didn't want these things. I mean, because you, you felt like, oh, my God, something could happen. I was no, really like scared it did to it all the time. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't that we didn't trust the crew or the executives or anybody. It was it, was it um, it's just an extra layer of protection that at a certain point you kind of, it's a high-class problem, as I say, but it's a problem nonetheless. you gotta you got to, because sometimes, you know, 
things happen. A gust of wind blows a, a set of sides out of someone's hand or whatever, and it, you know, it winds up. Especially, lost, you know? I mean, we were in a, a city a plaza in the middle of the city. Yeah. I mean, there were hundreds and hundreds of extras. Yeah. There were, you know, passers-by. I mean, yeah. it was not a uh, lockdown location no. at all, and that wasn't something that we could control. So, so you got to redact right. scripts because you can't be sure that – because you're working your butt off and you, you, you set a thing down for a second to go grab something. If mm-hmm. you're – you know, the direct, shit, I've done it as a director. I'm always asking for new sides. I'm Because you lose disappear, them. yeah. And, and – you know, you could look around and some some extra is reading the thing, or, or has run off to Kinko's to photocopy, yeah, exactly, or, or which kind of happened one time, one season. So, and really, we just want to preserve the story for the audience. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, my assistant editor Chris, who is recording this podcast for us on a oh, Sunday, he stopped Thank recording you so hours much. Oh yeah. So he yeah. says he has a question. <laughs> oh yeah, I had a question about um, going back to the conversation with Walt and Jesse. Yeah. Uh, when when he says I'm not going to do what you said, isn't that the first time he ever calls him Walt? No. No, he not. did call I know him Walt. The when, but when was no, no, you're good. That seemed like a huge turning point. To <laughs> it me, was a big turning point. Him. That's a very good point you make, but but technically not the very first time. Was it Tom's episode? In I think it was. Three or it was in season. In two wasn't it in season two where where they're in the rv fighting or something and and it was not my episode but i remember i think it was episode number 205 johan's episode where he yeah. says they're in the rv and he says you're gonna we're gonna do it this way and he's like no walt or something do you remember yeah, yeah 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 i mean that, i it was earlier on and uh-huh. it was way early was, and it was a big he deal he was trying to convey the same level of familiarity and lack of yeah so so ceremony. technically not but but nonetheless we uh it has been a long time since he's called on walt yeah and and absolutely That's his bit of rebellion yeah his bit of rebellion <laughs> and every time it's happened uh it has been very very much discussed in the writer's room and and very much on purpose yeah okay the mr white thing conversely that just we sort of kind of fell into that back in season one it just felt great just felt right how about the fact that aaron still like when he's doing interviews or at comic con he still refers to him as mr white (laughs) it's just what's natural for aaron which i love i love it But there's one thing I will say. It's so funny. I remember at the Breaking Bad premiere party, you know, or um, or uh, we were we had that like a couple of weeks ago. And Aaron, I think Aaron shut down the party because I think Chris actually was yeah. there. Was there? Uh, he had a Vince, line Vince was there too. Co- yeah. Oh, you yeah. were there too. See, I was there right at the very end. The no, the guards, the security, Sony security guards, literally kicked us out yeah. of but our it, own party. It was so funny. I was yeah. sitting next to Jonathan. Banks. It was late. It was very late. They was, were right to do it. It was so funny. The bar I, had closed yeah. like an hour before I that. Know, I know. <laughs> the the band had stopped. Wow. <laughs> I was yeah. sitting next to Jonathan Banks. And, you know, Jonathan is sitting there and we're just kind of hanging out and he's talking and there, his wife is there and he's talking to other people. And, and Aaron comes running over there in his suit and everything because he was trying to get everybody to go over to the dance part. And he just yelled, Banks, come on. You know? <laughs> it was like so funny because, I mean, I just couldn't. It just never occurred to me that he would just call him by his last name That's like funny. that. It was hilariously funny. He's like, Banks, come on. And, and Jonathan was like, just grumbling, ah, I'm not going up there, kid, or something. It was, like, so great. Those guys have such a great rapport hey, together. If I had a dollar for every time Jonathan Banks has threatened to punch me in the heart, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be nice. Yeah. While we're on the subject, and I, we got to wrap this up quick, but that was a really, um, it was a great party, but, um, and I know people can... Uh, can Google this image, but there's an, there should be pictures out there of Vince's cake. 
Oh, yeah. That you had where, where they, they had actually made a cake of the, the was tortoise. Was there actual cake in there? Yes, there was cake. I no, couldn't believe nobody. No, there really? was not cake. Here's the thing. And it I was thought a it wonderful, was cake. It was, a, it was It was a wonderful, uh, what's the word, simulacrum? Well, let me uh, tell what it was. Yeah, it yeah. was actually a big, it was probably like at least two feet long and wide and maybe like, I don't know, I'm not, yeah, two feet high. It was life-size. It was life-size. Life size. It, it was a tortoise. With Vince's head yeah, my on the tortoise. Head on top His, of it. And it was awesome. So Google that. But what were you going to say? Sorry, Vince. Someone put a, they bring it out and, and, and it was a beautiful work of art done by a, no real, a real crafts person, whoever did it. I'm, I'm going to give them a shout out. Uh, the unknown person who created it, uh, the company that created it, did a great job. Uh, unfortunately, there was icing all along the edges yeah, and I so, got and I, my, kept, I got my jacket. I was I so mad. I kept getting jostled into it with people wanting to get pictures of me with it. Oh, and so you got it on your so clothes I my, too? I had my very expensive uh, uh, suit on, and it was like I got icing all over my suit. Did they? But, did the cleaners get it out? Because yeah, mine is still at the cleaners. Oh yeah, yeah. They're still working on it. No, no. I just haven't picked it up. No, but they I, told yeah. me it was going to be okay. I think, it, I think it came out. Okay, I think it came out okay. So no, no harm done. But someone puts a knife in my hand to cut into the cake. And I'm like, sure. So I, you know, as one would do, you cut into your own forehead. <laughs> and I'm like, God, this knife is really dull. <laughs> oh, so there wasn't cake. It oh. was styrofoam oh. with, with icing. And the icing was very tasty. Huh. But it was all styrofoam underneath. So I'm like, why? And then I felt bad. Like someone had put, I don't know who put the knife in my hand. But I'm like, then I feel bad because I had like taken a, a box cutter to the, to the Mona Lisa or something. I'm like, you know, unnecessarily like like destroyed this uh, beautiful sculpture that was meant to come across like a cake, but in fact was it not. It was not a cake. Even the tortoise wasn't a cake? Well, then I cut into the tortoise leg to make sure, thinking maybe just the head is styrofoam, and no, it was all styrofoam. Oh, it was all styrofoam. Yeah, so then I felt bad I had butchered this thing. Hmm. So hopefully uh, the uh, the scars on the forehead can be photoshopped out in the various right. photos. So this has gone. It was a on great party, though. So very long, but uh, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you guys for coming in on a Sunday morning. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Vince. Now late I, Sunday afternoon. No, not quite. And we got two now, more to do. Now, now, thank you, Vince, Melissa, Sam, Chris. Thank you so much. Um, uh, this episode was called Rabid Dog. Um, directed and written and directed by Sam Catlin. Congratulations, Excellent job, man. Sam. You did such a great job. Excellent job. Bravo. Was, we were, you we didn't were, fuck up like we I were, assumed yeah, you would. Yeah, we were gambling on you, man. We were like, yeah. oh, I, I lost know. a lot of money on this <laughs> one. <laughs> that's why you need that Jonathan uh, Banks <laughs> punching in the heart. That's right. I'm glad you had a good time, Sam. You did I a did. fantastic job. Did Thank a great you very job. much. Great Thank job. you. All right, so uh, everybody, uh, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, jo- join us next week for um, the episode, episode, I don't know what it's called. I'm episode sorry. 513. 513. And it's called, uh, you will look at it and say, how the hell do I pronounce this? Tahajali. It's uh, Tahajali is the name. And it was uh, written by? Written by George, George. Masters and directed by Michelle McLaren. Michelle McLaren. So join us next week for that one. Um, and, uh, you know, I might as well say it, enjoy, uh, enjoy that premiere tonight, even though this is going to be like four weeks late, but yeah, hope enjoy it- that premiere tonight. Watch Vince on talking bad. I hope it went well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everybody. Let's go break bad. <laughs>